Welcome to Conversations, a podcast by Christ Presbyterian Church of Auburn, where we get a chance to sit down and have a conversation with Pastor Zellner and learn how God's Word applies to our lives. Welcome to Conversations. I'm here with my pastor, Eric Zellner. How are you doing, my man? I'm good. How are you, Will? I'm fantastic. Today is an exciting topic because we're talking about book recommendations, which if you're reformed, you have to like books, right? That's I mean, <laughs> one of the prerequisites. I think so. it's a prerequisite. That's right. So That's right. We, we love books. There's a lot of great books that have helped us throughout the years to appreciate Christ and his gospel and um, learn to live as Christians. Let's. Uh, this is not super organized, but let's just go back and forth and maybe sure. share some of the books that have meant something to us over the years, and uh, maybe highlight some of those that yeah. have meant a lot to you. Okay, that'd be great. Um, I think I would. I want to begin with a book that's the second most read book in the English language. Everybody is familiar with the the Bible, of course, which really is. Uh, widely thought of to be the first most widely read book. The second most widely read book is is Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. It is, um, not only is it um, useful, it's, it, it, if you don't know the story, it's an allegory uh, which tells the story of the walk of a person leaving uh, destruction bound for hell and being called to the promised land. And so uh, it is, it's worth the read. There's a lot of uh, modern translations that have been you know, it's hard to say translations when we're talking about an English book, but because it was written in the 1600s, it has to be um, added some modern language to help. And there's a there's a version by Judith Markham, which I think is really useful. It kind of captures some of the beauty of the original meaning uh, without uh, without sacrificing that, but also makes it pretty readable. I found that to be a useful uh, version, and so I would I would really recommend Pilgrim's Progress. It's something that kind of should be on people's list. Hey, uh, Christian books I should read. I think Pilgrim's Progress is there. And I I think for those of you that like um, fantasy or more C.S. Lewis type books like Chronicles of Narnia, Pilgrim's Progress is a great book because it it kind of fascinates your imagination as well. Mm -hmm. And this... Some of the modern translations have scriptural references in them, and I am amazed about how much scripture is in Pilgrim's Progress. <laughs> and it is an amazing story, just like yeah. Pastor Stoner was saying about uh, a man named Christian who m- takes a journey meeting worldly wisdom and pride mm-hmm. and um, Braveheart and all these people along the way that encourage him and convict him on his journey to remove his burden at the mm-hmm. cross. And it's a, a remarkable story. Yeah, there's in that in that story there's interaction between various characters where the um, where Christian having come to know God's word is just reciting it back and forth uh, with others who are walking along the journey with him, and uh, it ends up being deeply set, saturated in Scripture. So it's it's really beautiful. Another book that came to mind, and we did not talk about this mm-hmm. beforehand, sure. um, a book that requires a good modern translation is Augustine's Confessions. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is a classic, and I would encourage everyone to read that book because it shows how one of the great theologians of the history of the Christian Church becomes a believer, and it's mm-hmm. it's um, writings from his journal, and it's his own thoughts, and it's his autobiography, 
and uh, so encouraging to hear the story of his mom praying for him, traveling all over the world, praying mm-hmm. for his salvation. And that's another one that I would say it's really important you get a good modern translation because it will mm-hmm. um, it will be really hard to read otherwise. But there are sayings like, our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you mm-hmm. that you'll hold on to for the rest of your life. So. Mm-hmm. Augustine's Confessions is yeah. No, actually, that's a. I'm I'm glad you mentioned that. The one of the reasons I'd recommended that you and I kind of banter back and forth on this is, um, unfortunately, I've forgotten more books than I can remember, <laughs> and so I actually looked at my shelf and I thought, well, okay, what are the things that really jump out to me? Uh, I'm really glad you mentioned that. That was one that I did not read until after I was ordained, but I was really grateful that I read it. It sat by my bedside for a while when my children were tiny, and I remember putting them to bed and then having a minute uh, at the at my bedside to, to read it. It's a great book. Um, and, and, and I think, let me say this uh, before we get to any other books. A very wise pastor said this to me when he was about 80 years old. This guy named Cortez Cooper. He pastored all over the country uh, in various places, pastored Trinity Pres in Montgomery, planted the first PCA church in California. Uh, he was a coordinator of MA. I knew him as a child from a distance and watched him as he planted Christ present in Nashville. I reconnected with him when he was in his upper 70s, and I was asking him kind of the same conversation that we're having. Can you give me some books that you would recommend? And he said, well, I think one thing that uh, someone in your age generation should know is that for every modern book you read, you should read a couple of really old books. So offsetting that which is new with that which is old. And uh, so to begin with Augustine's Confessions um, and and Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress are a great place to start. Augustine has other writings, which I do recommend. They're they're a little more lengthy, um, and but worth it. So I'll say one other kind of prerequisite too is that when people ask me for book recommendations, I always want to ask, what do you want to read about? Because mm-hmm. it's if there's a specific thing you're trying to learn or a specific thing that you want to figure out or a question that you have answered, that's obviously going to change mm-hmm. um, sort of what books we would recommend. And so that's another thing too. Also kind of where you've started. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I wouldn't really recommend going out of the gate, maybe with some of the other <laughs> books that we bring up that are, you know, really old and hard to mm-hmm. read. But no, I, agree. Uh, I agree. People will get frustrated. Let's, t- let's begin. Let's just talk about some things that uh, somebody new to the Christian faith would, uh, would enjoy or need to think about. Uh, I think some authors that have helped me a lot um, have been Kevin DeYoung, R.C. Sproul, and J.I. Packer. Mm-hmm. Those have been really great for me. Um, DeYoung has a book called Taking God at His Word, which is a little eight-chapter book about the Bible, which for me as a f- freshman in college who did not understand the Bible, it was really good for me to go, oh, what are some basic beliefs that we have about this book? Mm-hmm. Uh, another one was The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul, which is his classic text. Um mm-hmm about it, it has some autobiographical is that even a word autobiographical so, oh yes no. that's how you pronounce it um <laughs> features to it where he describes his own conversion and mm. um, him trembling before the holiness of god and, and that showed me how big god was the, the mm. god that i was actually trying to learn and then um knowing god by j.i packer is a book that started to lay down the foundation for how I thought. And I'd, mm-hmm. I'd couple that with, and I'm throwing a lot, sorry mm-hmm. to the That's listeners, fine. Fine. Uh, What is Reformed Theology by R.C. Sproul. Mm-hmm. Uh, that book walks through the five solos of the Reformation and the five points of Calvinism, which are all available on our podcast if you want to <laughs> learn more. Um, but those books helped lay down the foundation for me to 
Mm-hmm. So the de Young was the entryway, as in I got to go through God's word. Sproul was the, oh, wow, I got to tremble before this God that I mm-hmm. learned. And then Packer started to build the house a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and those were books that were really helpful for me as a new Christian. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's really good. I think the, uh, I would I would echo, uh, Packer is one that I think was has been instrumental in a lot of people's lives. Uh, knowing God is one that's often talked about and read. Um, I, I, in the Packer line of things, I've enjoyed evangelism and the sovereignty of God. People are often asking that question. Um, if we, and in fact, that was the first question somebody ever asked me when I, when they heard that I'd become reformed, they said, well, what, what in the world would be the purpose of evangelism? And I was grateful that somebody had recommended this book, uh, evangelism, and the sovereignty of God. It's an excellent one. Um, so when I was a new believer, someone said, why don't you read mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis? Now, uh, I read that and I found it very, very helpful. But you need to recognize I was a I was a brand new believer. Um, I have found that to be really helpful with brand new believers. Um, after that, I always I recommend Screw Tape Letters. It's pretty much, a, in my opinion, a classic and really useful uh, for thinking through the way temptation works. Of course, you have to recognize it's a conversation with a demon and a junior demon written in letter form, uh, but um, once you catch the the drift of it, it's really a useful uh, a useful book. Um, and I have found, I mean, you cannot let. Here's what happens: people get real excited about C.S. Lewis, and then they start t- chasing C.S. Lewis down his trail, and you end up going, "Wait, I'm not even sure what this guy believes." <laughs> so he he doesn't fall in the uh, Presbyterian camp, but he but he really is um, useful in a lot of those things. Another really early book that I think people find helpful. Uh, Tim Keller's Reason for God is a useful, really useful book and needs to be mentioned, I think, in that camp. Um, others have enjoyed other things by Tim Keller. Um, I think of, um, oh shoot, I just went blank. Prodigal God. Yeah, Prodigal God, that's what I was thinking of. The prodigal God and Counterfeit Gods have been helpful for prodigal me. Prodigal God is the one I was thinking of first. I'm glad you see your memories much sharper than mine. <laughs> it's good to be young. It's good to be young. Um, those are some really early books that I found to be helpful. Slightly above that, but still in the camp of things that I think people should read early on. Uh, the Whole Christ by Sinclair Ferguson is is really useful, um, and I think that just one of those books that helps people really grapple with the the substance and the richness and the beauty of Christ as our Lord, uh, which I think. In a world where our hearts can so easily become cold, um, Sinclair Ferguson almost always strikes a tone that is uh, helpful in warming the cold heart. That's a great point. Anyway, you, I recommend lots of other Sinclair Ferguson books as well, but we'll start with those. Like I said about sometimes the books you want to recommend depend on certain topics that people want to learn. Mm-hmm. I think The Sovereignty of God is one that a lot of people... Um, are curious about and want to learn more. Mm-hmm. Some texts that have helped me, um, one is a small, I'm quoting a lot of Sproul here, mm-hmm. Chosen by God by R.C. Yeah. Sproul. That's um, excellent. But if you were to, if you want the older version, uh, Bondage of the Will by Martin Luther, mm. um, which Luther said if you could burn all of his books, but don't burn um, Bondage of the Will. <laughs> some, some things to say about that book, though, is um, one, it can be challenging to read. Um, it's it's pretty deep. I mm-hmm. think it's very helpful in understanding our fallen nature. Mm-hmm. Another thing is that Luther is writing it to Erasmus, um, who's a Christian philosopher at the time, mm-hmm. and 
he does not conduct himself, in my opinion, with the greatest Christian um, conduct character Mm -hmm. in that book. He's very aggressive. I think one thing we have to understand about that is he is against the world, contra mundum. Mm -hmm. Luther is kind of fighting his own battle, and so maybe he's being um, aggressive because he thinks it's over the gospel, which Mm -hmm. Paul gives us uh, some pretty clear insights to to standing firm in the truths of the gospel. But Mm -hmm. I think that's another thing that you might come up when you read that book and be a little bit um, mm. kind of turned off by, but yeah, that, and in a lot of ways, people need to know that about Luther. I mean, that's a, that's a little bit of a Luther um, tone characteristic, but but you you read him in his context, and you recognize this it's a man who who does and is uh, doing battle with not only uh, a heretical Roman Catholic Church that doesn't even believe in justi- justification by grace through faith. But he's also um, in battles with unbelievers, and so it's really helpful to to recognize the way that Luther speaks. Uh, this is this is how in Luther's later life, some people have just decided, well, we'll just throw out Luther; he's absolutely crazy, um, <laughs> and that's that. You know, it's not helpful. Uh, we I, I trust our listeners to be able to be wise in the things they read. So even in even in the recommendations we make we recognize that not everything here will be useful, and even not everything is um, is exactly biblical. I can't trust that everything I've ever said is, is right. completely biblical. I don't want to trust that somebody else's words are completely biblical. So when we recommend these books, we, we're saying we hold these as useful, uh, but the Scripture is our ultimate rule for faith and practice. Totally. Uh, one one other area I think that people begin to ask about is is holiness and uh, how do I grow in the grace that the Lord has given me? We mentioned Packer. One of the books that I have found helpful with Packer is Keep in Step with the Spirit. And the thing I think he does so well in this particular book is help believers recognize that the, the work of justification, God saving us, uh, then leads to sanctification, which is also likewise by grace. But he is, in that book, teaching us to, to walk with the Spirit. So much of the New Testament talks about the flesh versus the Spirit, and we've put to death the old man, and we're walking in the Spirit. I think Packer does a great job of, of uh, talking about that. You and I talked off, offline about J.C. Ryle's holiness. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have found that helpful at times. Uh, I've also found it, it didn't work with everybody. Um, it, it's sometimes hard for some people to read that without feeling a sense of overburden. Right. Uh, but I do think it's useful. I, I think, think so, too. Useful. His chapter on assurance in that book, oh. I think, is worth the price of the book. It's very good. But I, think, I can see how people would think that. I think that's a that's a great comment. Um, and that's a Owen as well with Mortification of Sin, mm-hmm. which is a beefy one. Um, yeah. But that's why I think Sinclair always says, you, what's the book by Owen about the comforts of Christ or something? Mm-hmm. Something like, He always says, read the, the book on Christ before you read Mortification of Sin so you don't feel that heavy burden. I'm going gonna, gonna to look this up real quick. Uh, Chris Lungard did a, a newer version on Owen's book, um, and I need to look that up while we're talking. But um, so While you're looking that up, some other ones that were helpful uh, for holiness— I think at an introductory level, it would be Hole in Our Holiness by mm-hmm. Kevin DeYoung mm-hmm. is uh, another one that I've seen a lot of people read and enjoy. It's actually my fiance's favorite book, so oh, okay. shout out to you, Caroline. <laughs> um, so that's another one I would say. Mm. Um, 
and then like I said earlier with Holiness of God by Sproul as well which is really good mm. the the enemy within is the book I was referencing by Chris Lungard it's, it is it's taking Owen's work and uh, it's the, the subtitle is straight talk about the power and defeat of sin uh, which I think is really helpful for folks um, what's next um, I think another one is I think you can see with um, the Trinity is one that people have a hard time with. I I wanted to say real quickly, uh, Michael Reeves' book, Delighting in the Trinity, is one that I've heard a lot of really good things about. Um, But just like I said earlier, I think a lot of it depends on what what type of topics you want to learn. People that are trying to learn about the canon, uh, Michael Kruger is a great resource on things like that. That's kind of what comes to mind for me is sort of what, at that point, what topics you want to learn and... Mm. What about some biographies? I think those can be really helpful for Christians to learn about. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a, I think it's a great question. One of my problems is that I end up reading biographies that uh, may not be of believers, so I know more information <laughs> about Ronald Reagan than I than I maybe need to know. There's still about. a lot to learn. There is. <laughs> the other day, I was listening to one on audio, and uh, and I had to describe it to my my family as well. I'm I'm listening to another book about Ronald Reagan. So. Um, <laughs> And they're like, oh, okay, of course. I bet you're enjoying that. That's what they said. Um, yeah, let me let's think about biographies. I'd probably have to. I, I would probably jump back to Augustine's Confessions as a really useful mm-hmm. one. I, when I have read biographies, I often recognize that sometimes Christian biographies do a, a bit of a challenging tension of trying to celebrate the person, uh, but also. They might have a difficulty in giving glory to God always. So I don't have a— That's true. I ha, so, you know, I've read tons on uh, Civil War generals. I've read tons on uh, presidents and things like that. And you can almost always just go, well, it's it's helpful to know, and I take them with a grain of salt. Uh, the thing that's helpful, going back to Augustine's Confessions, is the whole book is really written as a prayer, right, to the Lord. Mm-hmm. So it's a conversation between God and—I mean, between Augustine and his Lord, which— um, you know, the very concept of praying in Jesus' name uh, sets Augustine up for praying things and talking and thinking through his own life in view of the work of Christ, mm-hmm. which I have I've found helpful. Um, some ones that come to mind for me, and I haven't read all of these, but just ones that I've heard is some resources by Eric Metaxas, uh, mm-hmm. who writes about William Wilberforce and yeah, I've read that um, about Dietrich Bonhoeffer and... Martin Luther as well. I think I agree about Christian biographies, how there are some dangers. Um, the things that I've found is that it's really motivating and encouraging for me to um, see what how God mm-hmm. has used these great men in the past and um, striving to want to be like them as well. Of those three you mentioned, the Wilberforce biography would be my favorite. Um, I, is that called, I think it's called Amazing Grace. Um, I think that's, that's right. I may be wrong. No, no, no. I don't really know. I would I have to remember. look at it. The, uh, the so I read the Bonhoeffer book. It, it was wildly popular in oh seven, oh eight, kind of oh six, oh seven, oh eight. Um, and one thing that that uh, Eric Metaxas does is is he almost makes Bonhoeffer want to be read as a uh, as an evangelical, and and he's really he's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, people will have a lot of tension in understanding that. It is really a useful conversation in Christian ethics, though. Dietrich Bonhoeffer has to walk a really careful line. Uh, in a in a context that most of us will not have to walk, um, but I think those you know those are enjoyable, really fun to read. Uh, Metaxas writes really well. A guy that I I think another area of reading um, is sermons, and mm-hmm. 
Spurgeon's sermons have been a big blessing to mm-hmm. me and Edwards as well. I know you love mm-hmm. Edwards too. I do. So I do. That's another guy. Um, Spurgeon, Lectures to My Students, um, is another one that I would really recommend. And he's just such a brilliant uh, writer that, or, I mean, people are transcribing what he's saying. So he's such a brilliant communicator. It's, it's when you're reading it, you're like, I can't, I mean, the word pictures that he paints are, it's so enjoyable to read in many ways. So he'd be another resource I'd recommend as well. I think that's really good. I, I uh, work in, in uh, one of my latter postgraduate studies. I did some study on Jonathan Edwards, and I found a book by um, Wilson Kimnack, which was called The Sermons of Jonathan Edwards. It's a reader. It's basically, you know, Kimnack is, is compiling this list uh, of his sermons, and it has it's really useful. People would enjoy that. There's also letters of Jonathan Edwards where he uh, interacts with various other believers, uh, including his wife and uh, many other friends, and that's a really helpful one as well. Let me mention a few things that I think are uh, are questions that people ask me. Sometimes people ask me things like, um, can you tell me a little bit about covenant theology or can you recommend a book about that? I recommend... Um, two things. Michael Horton has written a book, Introducing Covenant Theology, which I think is really helpful for people. You mentioned Sproul, which also brings people into Reformed uh, thinking. That's very helpful. I actually recommend a lot of things Michael Horton has done. Introducing Covenant Theology is helpful. I currently am enjoying, well, before I transition there, another book I recommend on covenant theology is Christ of the Covenants. It's a, it's pretty weighty, but it's really useful for ordination purposes. Um, it's a book that everybody pretty much has to read, uh, and I, I, it's by O. Palmer Robertson. Very helpful book. Um, so then I think the another one that's pretty, it's not deeply long. Did I mention Redemption Accomplished and Applied? No, you haven't. Okay. I think I think John Murray's Redemption Accomplished and Applied is, is worth people picking up. Uh, it, it is uh, gold, in my opinion, um, and helps us understand the way Christ's um, righteousness is applied uh, to believers. It's a really useful and, and beautiful book. Um, I did mention Christ of the Covenants. Okay, so then I, I guess I would—do you have anything else? I would close by giving some re- personal reflections on things I'm reading today. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> You have the floor, Mark. Do you mind if I hijack the whole podcast? <laughs> no, I don't have any more recommendations. Okay. So. All right. Um, and, and this has to do with your, your earlier question. You know, what are you reading right now based on your area of interest? And, of course, I'm, uh, as, we pre- as I preach through the book of Exodus, I have found a book called Leaving Egypt by Chuck DeGroat. Uh, DeGroat comes from more of a counseling background through the RTS system. Um, but he, he recognizes that the, the Exodus is, uh, on a macro level, an all-of-life uh, picture, right? As we have been called out of bondage and sin and we're being uh, transferred to this kingdom of light, we are in a uh, macro level journey. We face the desert. We have wilderness seasons uh, where we feel alone and, we're, and the Lord teaches us to trust him. We often stumble and fall in those wilderness places. Uh, how do we how do we lay aside the idols of our past and move towards the promised land? On a micro level, and this is where I've really you know anybody who who belongs to Christ wants to do battle with sin and see some of those sins go away as we as we learn to put them to death. 
on a micro level, I think DeGroat does a really good job of, of thinking in terms of this specific sin that has enslaved me in the past uh, does not enslave me today, and yet it is a temptation because it was an idol that I used to worship. And <clears throat> when I began preaching the Exodus, uh, you, you easily recognize that idolatry is a major problem for the people of Israel, and it's going to continue to be through the whole book. Um, our idols provide something for us that um, that is not that is in some ways a shadow of what God really can provide for us. So we're worshiping these idols for comfort or power or consolation or even an emotional high or something like that. Um, and so this book is I've just found it really useful in terms of thinking about how to put to death certain sins and walk into the desert place and learn to trust the Lord with those good and natural wants that my heart used to chase idols for and learn to trust the Lord uh, for his satisfaction in other ways. Uh, the other one that I found helpful, and I, I've thought about how to incorporate this with our entire church, uh, is the book Ordinary by Michael Horton. Uh, this would have been a book written in response to David Platt's book Radical. Um, and, and Platt's book, Radical, received a lot of uh, attention and affirmation. Ordinary to, is, is probably more useful. When I was in my mid-30s, I really liked Radical. I thought it was, <laughs> this is fantastic. I had lots of problems with it, but I still thought it was fantastic. Ordinary is really, um, I think what Horton's point is, is that the ordinary means of grace really are the way that people are sustained and when everything is radical in the church or in our own lives and we're hoping to live life on the ragged edge or something, uh, it, it fools us into thinking that the emotions are the thing that is the real. Um, and what he says is it's not the emotions and the height of those radical things or even the appearance of being radical um, in the next generation always becomes ordinary. And sometimes radical takes us away from the simple, ordinary means of grace. Um, which feed and nourish us. So his contention, which I think is what the Bible teaches, is that, is that life is really found in repeating and enjoying the patterns that God has put in place in order for us to grow in grace. God's word, his prayer, sacraments. We obviously can add into that the fellowship of believers in the, in the local body of Christ. Um, but that, that demands and requires that people take church pretty seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of us, I think, in our world, uh, in the United States, in 2022, think in terms of me and Jesus. Um, and I think Horton helpfully reminds us that we have to come back to the church in order to be fed and nourished in the long term. That's a great point. So. And that just shows, I hope, for everyone listening, that God has really blessed us with the ability to, to read books in our own language and, and read things that God will use in our Christian life to advance his kingdom and bring glory to his name. Yeah. I think so, too. Thank you, Will. Well, thank you so much for the time, Pastor Zellner, and thank you for listening to our podcast, Christ uh, Conversations with Christ Presbyterian Church of Auburn, and we hope to see you guys in the next one. Goodbye.